Hey, everybody. Welcome to the NYC Real Estate Podcast. This is Mark Levine. I'm your host. I'm also one of the owners of EBMG, a New York City-based property management company. And on today's episode, we wanted to talk about Local Law 126 of 2021, which is a new law that just came into effect on January 1st of 2022. And it requires owners of parking structures to hire a New York City licensed and registered professional engineer to inspect the structure at least once every six years and to file a report with the Department of Buildings documenting the results of the inspections. Um, For today's episode, I've got two great guests. And before I introduce them, let me just remind you that you can email the show at nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's nycrealestatepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to me by phone, feel free, 212-335-2723, extension 201. Again, that's 212-335-2723, extension 201. And I've got, as I said, two great guests. I have, uh, I'll introduce you guys to Joe DePompio. From, he's the president of Structural Workshop. How are you doing, Joe? Hi, how are you? Good. And we also have Scott Barieski. Did I get that right? Absolutely. I nailed it. All right. And you are the vice president of Sashore Construction. And so... I wanted to bring each of you on because you're looking at this from different um, aspects. Joe, you're looking at it more from the engineer component of it. And then Scott, you're looking at it more from the construction side. But before we get into the law and and all of those things, um, let me give you guys a moment to kind of introduce yourself, um, what you're presently doing, how you got into it, anything you want to tell us about it. Joe, if you want to, you know, let us know what's been uh, what's been your career like and and what led you to us. Uh, sure. Um, I am uh, president of Structural Workshop. We're, we're a structural engineering firm in northern New Jersey, and we're going on 20 years in business. Um, we do everything from uh, single family residences to 20 story buildings and everything in between. Uh, we really I don't do highway bridges or high rises, but other than that, we uh, we do it. So um you know, forensic engineering, structural engineering, parking garages, facades, uh, geostructural, retaining walls, all that stuff. Um, we, we work mostly in the New York metro area, but we do work all over the country. But I'd say 80% of our work is in the uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania area. And um, we have a, a someone that we, all three of us uh, know in common that uh, connected us for this, this podcast, because I I had gotten the information on this. I, I had seen that it was coming, but once it was implemented, I, I saw it and um, you know reached out to uh, our mutual friend yeah. who, who Jessica Val, yeah. who I've known for years. Yeah, she's yeah, great. Did, did put together some some email blasts uh, regarding this, and then we all kind of all kind of had the idea that uh, this would be a good uh, group to to get together to talk about it because these types of these types of repairs, contractors and engineers work hand in hand um, because yeah. you know, concrete repairs and deterioration, you know, the engineer makes an initial estimate of, of the damage, but, you know, the contractor chops out the concrete, essentially. I'm simplifying this, obviously, yeah. chops out the concrete and, and keeps going until he gets to good concrete. So you need an engineer on site. Uh, both to make sure you you take all the bad stuff out, but also to make sure the contractor doesn't overcut everything by a foot and yeah. double the bill for the for the owner. So these types of and that's not directed at Scott. And <laughs> I was going to say Scott, that sounds pretty <laughs> but, ominous um, for you. But no, but but these types of repairs are, are are one of the 
types of things we do where we really have to work hand in hand with the contractor. So it's good that you have both of us on because yeah. it's, uh, it's a big component of it. Now, Scott, you, uh, why don't you give us your background on uh, being a contractor or what type of work you've done in the past? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, my company is South Shore Construction. We're located in Roselle, New Jersey. And uh, similar to Joe, we work in the uh, uh, New York metro area, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania. And we happen to focus on the same stuff as Joe, only on the, the contractor's end of it. So that would be uh, structural restoration of uh, buildings. Uh, and we specifically focus on parking garages and building facades. Um, so uh, we partner up on different projects with um, uh, structural engineers uh, like Joe, and um, we essentially perform the work that they uh, identify and design. Uh, in addition to that, we also help structural engineers like him um, uh, with investigative probes, uh, let's say in the initial phases of putting uh, plans together for property owners to help them identify uh, essentially, you know, how the building is constructed so that they can put their plans together. But um, uh, uh, the company has been around for 40 years, and uh, I've been doing this for about 16 years now. Yeah, great. Well, I'm happy to have you both on here. Um, this is actually a law that I've been watching probably about five years when I know that the um, prospect of it came along. And it's similar to what we were talking about before. It's the local law 11, also known as FISP in New York City. And um, that is, we've covered that. That's in five-year cycles. That's we've, we've done a bunch of episodes. So if you are listening and you want to hear about it, just go back into the, the history on that. But it's a little bit different. And a lot of the, I'm glad actually to see that this is now a law because we've done a lot of facade, a lot of structural work and uh, where we do have garages, we've always found that there's deterioration, there's rebar issues, there's, you know, steel, there's leaks. Um, so this is kind of something that needed to be done by the city. And now that they're directing us to take this and have a, an engineer overseeing it, I think it puts a little bit more oomph behind, you know, the need to do it. Um, Joe, do you want to walk us through the buildings that would be responsible for this requirement and walk us through also the time frame where we have to do it? Um, and we have partial information. Let's just, I'll put right. it out there now that even the city hasn't released its final final on this. We have the first set of cycles um, or the first filing window, and we know which buildings those are, which we'll get to, but they haven't released everything. So the, as we're going through this and explaining it, it's still not completed. Right. Correct. Uh, th this is the latest that, that DOB has published. Um, so th there's cycles very similar to local law 11 uh, manhattan is split into two community districts one through seven their cycle starts uh, a week ago uh, 11 days ago january 1st 2022 and goes through december 31st 2023 so that's two full years uh, that they'll have then the eight through 12 community districts in manhattan and brooklyn entire the entirety of brooklyn We'll have January 2024 through December 2025, and then Bronx, Queens, and Staten Island, all of all of their districts, uh, January 2026 through December of 2027. So, and then once you're on that cycle, it'll be similar to Local Law 11. It'll it'll repeat every uh, right. 
six years, I think this is. Yeah, this is every six years. So yeah. the subs, the cycles are two-year cycles. So we're always in a cycle. Right. I guess it's a little bit different than local law 11, which is an odd number of years. We have three cycles that are two years each. Right. Same concept though. Yeah. Um, so in terms of documenting the inspection, what buildings and what structures are we um, now required to do this for? Sure, it's in any building or portion of a building that's used for parking or storing motor vehicles, including space inside or under a building. So obviously a basement or sub-basement type of parking garage or, you know, first couple stories of a parking garage with an office building above, that would definitely qualify. And then obviously solo parking garages, standalone, open or enclosed. Um, there are some, um, some exclusions, uh, not included auto, auto body or automotive repair shops or showrooms, service stations, you know, even though they house cars, it's not open to the public to come in and park a garage with occupancy of fewer than three cars, which is a really uh, low threshold. I, I guess if you're renting a space or two, you're, you're exempt, but anything beyond that is, uh, is included unenclosed and unattached lots, um, basically a, a parking lot. There's no structure there. It's yeah. flat on grade or asphalt on grade and garages serving one and two family homes. Um, anything over a two family home, which seems to be a relatively low cutoff because you could have a, a four family home with, with four parking spots. And that would technically be covered by this. And I think there is, uh, yeah, a couple other caveats here. Um, if your building is undergoing ongoing construction, it cannot be designated as, as safe. You have to wait until the construction is over. Um, and then uh, one, one of the interesting things is the inspector has to, I, items that like kind of need to be monitored, the inspector has to estimate and project the month and year when those defects will become hazardous and cause the parking structure to be deemed unsafe. That is... Um, interesting language that I think is uh, going to create some issues. <laughs> and it really does put the onus on the engineer or the architect who is putting their seal on that information. Um, what are, okay. So we know that the inspections happy, happen every two years right now. It's dependent on the community board number, which is also similar in how we're defining when we have local law 152 gas inspections. So that's also a number that's important. So we're finding a lot of community board numbers now. Um, what are the things that you as an engineer are going to go into that structure and be looking for um, local law 11, the facade, we have a really good handle on the, you know, those types of inspections, what the call outs are, how it's defined, what your inspection parameters are. Um, is there any idea yet of what you're going to be uh, sure. surveying? I mean, yes. This, I mean, this is something that um, these types of inspections and repairs go on all the time. Um, we're doing several right now, both in New Jersey and in, in Manhattan. So, um, you know, a proactive, smart owner will do this on their own. Um, the parking garages in the Northeast, especially, but anywhere in cold climates are subject to road salts coming off of tires and, and the combination of the salt and the water uh, is, is, you know, one of the most corrosive everyday things that structures see. It, it uh, damages the concrete, damages the steel, rust the steel, which causes the steel to swell, which in turn spalls and, and delaminates and damages the concrete further. Structural steel beams in a, in a and, and structural steel deck in a composite or, you know, partially steel, partially concrete structure, uh, you'll get 
accelerated rust and damage to the steel from the from the salt and water. So um, that's that's what happens to parking garages in this area. Um, the things that we would be looking for are damaged concrete, which can have many different uh, many different things that can happen, but but you typically get spalling and delamination, which means the the internal steel inside the concrete rusts and swells and breaks the concrete apart from the inside. It's a very very slow way, uh, as if you had drilled some holes and, and dynamite it to, to demolish something. It's a very slow, controlled, similar kind of thing where it just slowly cracks and breaks the concrete, which in turn causes more water and salt to get in. It's a progressive accelerating process. So you're looking for concrete damage to the slab, to the underside of the slab, to concrete beams. Uh, if you have structural steel, you get rust on that. The columns can get damaged. Um, th those are the the main issues. Um, yeah. Are we doing um, visual or are we doing probes? What's the what? How are we investigating all of the structural stability of the interior? I know with local eleven, it's expanded over the last few years with the facade, and we've got to do um, wider areas. We've got to you know take probes in certain areas. Uh, photographic evidence is that something that the city is also kind of imparting on this and also i think this is more of a question for scott um we're when we're working outside especially on the structures that are on the exterior we're be, we're beholden by the weather outside it has to be you know let's say below 42 degrees you know at least for a 24-hour period to do a lot of this pointing work because we're now inside, is this also something that's going to um, enable us to do work over the winter, not be defined by the cold weather outside since it's inside? Um, so where we used to be on construction schedules that would essentially see the winter time being off, are we now on a, a year-round basis for these schedules? And pricing may not be as wild because we have a steady flow of work. Yeah, I can understand where, uh, you know, it would, it would appear that that would be the case, but you really end up with uh, similar weather restrictions. Uh, a lot of the garages are open air garages, meaning, you know, there, there's, there's openings to the outside. So it tends to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, embody the, the, the weather that's surrounding it in terms of temperatures and, and, and even sometimes like a refrigerator or a freezer, uh, even if the outside temperatures are a little bit warmer, when, once the concrete gets cold in the winter time, yeah. sometimes it could be even colder in the garage than, than it is actually outside. Uh, Cause it, it, it almost, like I said, it starts to act like a like refrigerator or freezer holding that temperature there. Um, now the only difference there would be if um, uh, like, for example, my company's currently working on some parking garages that are built um uh, uh, below the ground and uh, uh, like, you know, instead of being built up above the ground, they're built below the building and they go into the ground. So when you have uh, uh, conditions like that, sometimes what happens is uh, because you're actually below the uh, frost line uh, of where the, the earth freezes on the outside, the temperature actually stabilizes and you can get work done through the winter. So there are certain types of garages, depending on where they're built and how they're built that uh, can be worked on through the winter. But for the most part, you're still uh, in that, uh, let's say, you know, March through, uh, you know, December sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, construction time period, I guess I would say. 
from your experience, once we have a scope of work from Joe, and I'll go back to you, Joe, on the question that I had about how we, like, what are we looking for? But does it make sense for us to bid out the projects in the winter when you're slower, you know, when we're, we're gearing up for the spring work, or is that just something that doesn't matter and we can get it priced out at any given time? I mean, listen, you can get it priced out at any given time. I find that, um, you know, the, the, uh, the people who are, uh, really smart and, uh, you know, uh, also a lot of engineers have picked this up over time is you probably get your best pricing from your contractors uh, if you're bidding stuff out. Like at the time of this uh, recording here, it's January, yeah. right? So this is the uh, this is the time of year, you know, let's say uh, January through March, that it's a good time to bid things out because uh, contractors need to fill their pipeline for the year. Uh, they want to get some projects uh, uh, under their belt, right? So you're going to get the the the, the most uh, competitive numbers. Uh, and at the same time, it allows you to get certain things like permitting and um, uh, preliminary things out of the way so that as soon as the weather breaks, you're off to the races. Now, that being said, there's also, um, you know, people who uh, don't have the engineers come out to look at it till, let's say, April after the snow's cleared out. And, you know, so that kind of brings another wave of uh, garage repair scopes out to bid, let's say, in the uh you know, May, June, July time period. So, uh, but, but really, you know, this stuff could be bid at any time, but uh, you know, it would behoove a, a property owner or property manager to uh, certainly go after it in the uh, January through March time range if they could. Okay. Fair enough. Thank you. Um, so Joe, when we're doing the inspections, typically what are, what's the process that you as a um, an expert that we hire would be looking for, and how would you go about that? Sure. Um, the the guidelines from BOB are again similar to Local Law 11, where where it gives guidance to classify identified issues or garages as safe, uh, safe with repairs and or monitoring, or unsafe. Um, so that's really the guidance we have. The the rest at this point. I think falls within the typical engineering standard of care and practices uh, that may change. And obviously as, as these are done and submitted and additional information comes in, uh, there may, there may be more of a standard developed for doing these, but you know, right now, how we typically handle these is, is one step at a time. Uh, we, we'd come in and do a visual and uh, just take a look at everything and what we can see. And then, and then make recommendations for any sort of invasive stuff that needs to be done. Now, that can be as simple as chain dragging and sounding. Believe it or not, uh, the concrete when it delaminates really can't be seen, but you can hear the difference because the thickness is different from a, a six inch slab that's split into two three inch slabs versus a six inch slab. Uh, very primitive looking considering all the technology out there today, but you literally walk around dragging a chain or hitting hitting with a hammer to, to try to find spots that are delaminated to coring, uh, testing for chlorides in the concrete, uh, test uh, doing petrographic examinations, which are under a microscope. Those are the you know, the kind of the progression from the simple stuff to the more complex stuff. Uh, a lot of times in a parking garage that has a good amount of damage, you can just mark it. You just see it and mark it out. It's pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah. Uh, but we typically do one step at a time. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell someone that calls me for a parking garage that we're going to start sending stuff to electron microscope labs in, in the Midwest to, to check it. We're going to do everything else first. And then if we, if we feel there's a need or a reason to do that, we will. 
Now, periodically, how often would you recommend, if we're not worried about um, safe, unsafe conditions, but we are wanting to track out the progress of the garage, I know that this is an every six-year process and it's a two-year window, but is in between those six years, you recommend that it be checked periodically or is this something that you feel you can go bookend to bookend? The, the best... Uh, putting the local law aside, I mean, the, the best way to do something like this is to have that initial inspection done and any repairs that need to be made, made any protective measures that the owner wishes to spend some money on to extend that window be done. And then, then the engineering firm should put together like a maintenance manual and schedule from there. Um, so it's going to be really tailored to the garage that there's yeah. uh, garages that you know, our brand new garages that have a brand new um, coating system on all the, all the driving surfaces. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that concrete's generally not going to see an ounce of salt or water until that, that warranty is up or that coating system fails. So obviously that would not need really to be looked at for years. Um, you have other garages that are saturated in salt and active corrosion going on. And uh, you might want to look at that every six months because at some point that corrosion is going to start becoming unbearable in certain areas. So it's really very specific to the garage. I mean, this, you know, New York City and, and the Northeast, North Jersey, these areas are old. There are infrastructures old. We have housing stock and building stock from, from the 1700s till yesterday that opened and everything in between. So uh, there's really no one size fits all solution. I know from being a manager that one of the biggest areas of contention in a building where it's a condo or a co-op is the parking fee and the amount of money that the garage is charged per spot per month. And even the smallest increase will sometimes elicit the largest response. But I think now being that this is a new law that is going to require significant expense over a period of time that you know, for those people listening where you're in, you're dealing with these parking garages and you're dealing with the spots and the rentals. Um, this is something that carefully has to be budgeted out because I don't know if you have any sense of what a normal um, or boilerplate inspection would cost at, at this point, but I can imagine it's going to be obviously many thousands of dollars every six years. So if you take that and you spread it out over the period of time, you can see that, you know, for especially for these smaller garages where they don't have the benefit of 50 cars and maybe they have seven to 10 while we all in a co-op and a condo usually share the overall expense of that common um you know common space expense it may behoove those buildings to start raising their fees a little bit so that they could earmark some of this money towards these projects on a capital side. Um, but, uh, you know, being in this business, I know that, you know, those are the pain points that come with buildings is, you know, especially on the buildings where you have these gigantic waiting lists because people, everybody wants to park. And I've, I have buildings where there's 20 plus years worth of waiting lists. And if you start to increase the fees, obviously people may be priced out from having been there for 20 plus years in, in the parking space. But at the same time, you have to operate your building efficiently and also prepare for the expense that's coming up. So this is just one more thing to put on to the, um, the operating or the capital budget moving forward for each of these buildings. Um, 
Is there anything that we should specifically before our inspection look out for beyond just the spalling and the visual representation of something that's unsafe? Um, I would imagine a lot of cars in these situations have falling debris on them or wetness on them. Um, I think it could be a combination of the the material on the ceiling or it could be something from a leak of a pipe, but just visually from a management standpoint, before you come in, um, is there anything that we should look at or should we just leave that all for you? Unless we see like an obscenely unsafe condition, at, you know, visually. Well, um, obviously loose overhead concrete is, is a, could be a hazard to the structure, but, but more often than not, the immediate issue is just a chunk's going to fall off and, and land on somebody's car, or, or you're going to get salt water dripping on somebody's car, or it's going to hit somebody in the head. And, yeah. and once one, one car gets hit, every car that has ever had a ding in that parking garage is going to come back and say, well, that's what happened to my car too. So that's more of a management issue. But I mean, the things that, that you can look for just walking through the garage is, is clogged drains, uh, pooling water, um, water dripping through the floor, rust, any kind of rust staining, water's coming out of the bottom of the concrete and it's salty and forming stalagmites and has rust in it. You, you've got something going on there. Yeah. Scott, you might have some additional suggestions on that. <laughs> you know, Mark, the one thing I would say, you know, that I would add to what Joe is saying is, um, you know, maybe a, a formal inspection and, and, and um, the design of the repairs needs to be done by a, uh, a professional engineer such as Joe. But uh, the, the reality is that most defects in a parking garage are readily apparent by anybody in terms of like, you know, just like Joe was saying, you're going to see a crack in your concrete. You're going to see concrete falling from the ceiling. You're going to see rust. You're going to see uh, clogged drains. I mean, all of these things are readily apparent to anybody, uh, regardless of your expertise. Right. And, and so those are things, you know, going back to, to what you were asking before is like, well, you know, how often should a parking garage be inspected? I think the six years is probably fair in terms of a thorough engineer um, uh, st structural integrity sort of uh, uh, an overall review. But at the same time, somebody involved with the property, whether it be a property manager, a um, uh, uh, some sort of a, an on-site um, uh, building supervisor or superintendent, I meant to say, uh, should probably look out, uh, you know, at least once a year just for anything like is something falling from the ceiling? Is something dripping on cars? Is does something look visually like a problem, like it should be addressed sooner? And uh, worst case scenario is you go to a, an engineer like Joe and Joe says, uh, yeah, well, it's something you could take care of if you guys want to spend the money um, uh, now, but it's not something that's so important. Right. And it, but at least somebody knew before you allowed it to become a major problem where you do have concrete falling on somebody's head on a or on a car or, um, you know, some other thing where there's going to be a failure uh, of uh, of the concrete um, uh, where a, a portion of the deck could could literally need to be shut down because of it. Yeah, we want to avoid all those unsafe conditions where we have to vacate the parking just, structure. Uh, what one point that that's timely and, and we could do a whole show on this if if needed but uh you know parking those types of things in the proper not proper but certain setups of the building have the potential to collapse a building uh i mean we saw what happened in florida the the jury is still out on exactly what happened but uh, some of the working theories entail a collapse of the pool deck which is similar right. to a part but you, you you can have 
minor, relatively minor failures in a, a parking structure, pool deck structure, where it, what fails is not holding up the building, but is a key element of the bracing of columns. That's why you have to generally fireproof the, the structural members in a, in a parking garage that are bracing the columns that are holding up the building. Because if, if that bracing goes, you now have a one-story column that's become a two-story column. And if, if that buckles, the building's going to collapse. Yeah. So that's very high level, but... but There's a lot of imp- implications to not yes. doing it properly. Correct. Yeah. And, and, you know, Mark, the other thing, too, is going back to what you're saying. Like, I'm not somebody that's, that's um, uh, super into uh, government regulations and government rules and all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, when I understand the expense behind getting something like this done... And, um, you know, some of the impacts that will have on the buildings, like you were saying, you know, raising the, the rates for the parking uh, and all that stuff. But at the same time, this is actually super important because you have people parking their cars there. Uh, some people who live in the building, some people who are visiting the building, some people who may be uh, a, a patron of a, of a business uh, located in that building. I mean, they're all under the assumption that this thing is safe. That's why they're parking there. Um, you know, so. Uh, you know, unfortunately, sometimes when it comes down to business uh, and, and money, people are willing to um, forego the expense of a repair, um, you know, in order to uh, maintain certain cash flows and things like that. So this kind of forces the issue a little bit. And, and I understand that. But at the same time, what you're doing is you're maintaining the integrity of the structure that you own. So it's not just some sort of a wasted expense. Um, you know, where you're just blowing it on something ridiculous, you're, you're extending the longevity of your property um, uh, uh, for the future. So it's an investment, it's, it's essentially a reinvestment uh, in, in, in your home and your structure and your, in, in, in your business, whatever it may be. So it's not completely, um, you know, just a, a, a burdensome wasted expense. It is something that is, is uh, going to bring value. And, and if you think about it, if everybody has to do this in New York, um, um, uh, you know, when, when, when somebody does go to sell something, sell their building, sell their property, sell their unit, whatever it is, um, you know, uh, any deficiencies, any defects are, are going to be brought up and, and, and factored into what the, the value of something is. Um, and, and so therefore the more, uh, well-maintained it is the, the more value something's going to have as well. So you could also, uh, you know, kind of look at that and say, well, geez, this, you know, I'm putting money into this thing, but uh, the fact that somebody else in the future wouldn't need to do this work, um, it, it is going to be beneficial to that owner. It's going to improve the value of their property. Yes, I agree. Uh, Scott and I have been involved in several projects that had severe issues and, and the condo board could not get out of their own way or stop fighting. Um, you know, this, this does kind of force that, but um, you know, the, the other benefit is the longer you wait, these problems typically continue to deteriorate yeah. and it's not always linear. So your costs are going to keep going up the more you put this off. So the quicker yeah. you do get it repaired, it actually can save you money in the long run. And, uh, and, I don't mean, and I don't mean to speak for Joe, but, but, you know, something else about this that, that I'm sure uh, Joe can attest to is that when he goes around and he does his inspections, he's not uh, uh, likely to only pick up on the things that need to be done as part of the law. He's likely also to do some sort of a condition appraisal, which is going to point out, um, you know, just regular maintenance items that need to be done. Uh, repair your caulk joints, replace expansion joints, uh, replace a drain, 
um, you know, some of these waterproof membranes that protect your concrete from future deterioration, it's likely that during his inspection, he's going to identify some of these systems around the, the parking deck, maybe that are an imperative in terms of uh, the structure, um, let's say, uh, uh, standing up or falling down. But they're things that are going to prevent uh, future repairs from from having to happen, things that are going to, uh, you know, uh, uh, avoid some of the, the more expensive costs uh, down the road. And so, so he's going to be identifying those things as well uh, for people to consider, um, you know, even if they don't need to do major uh, re repairs, uh, some of the things that will prevent them from, uh, by the time the next inspection comes around, having to spend uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars on repairs if they spend tens of thousands now. Yeah. And I think what you were saying before, Joe, um, now this uh, and now the savvy attorneys, when they're doing due diligence for a potential sale, will know about this type of law. They will see, OK, what's the building's plan? It's going to be a question that's asked by the sell by the purchaser when they come into the building. What's you know, what's this project? What's the anticipated cost? Just like on every questionnaire, we have local 11 questions and facade questions. And, you know, when has the boiler been upgraded? When has the elevator been upgraded? Now it's going to include the garage because this is a big factor for any building. And especially on the smaller side, as I said before, it's it's less people shouldering a larger expense. So um, having all that information is is going to be super helpful. Um, so obviously the city keeps continuing to add regulations. Um, most of them are, you know, for safety purposes. So, um, now that we're aware of them and we're putting it out there, hopefully everybody will be in touch, um, with their experts. Hopefully they'll be in touch with our experts who are on here and, um, we could, you know, keep moving forward on these and hit all these that come up. Um, is there anything that we missed on the discussion relating to this new local law? Or did we pretty much cover it? I feel like we did a pretty thorough. We all need to stay tuned and see how it develops, I think. But uh, yeah. in the meantime, you can reach out to us if you, if you want to start getting your ducks in a row to do it. And I'm going to put both of your contact information and info in the description of the podcast. So anybody that's listening can just go into the description and shoot over an email. I'll also put your phone number so they get in touch with you directly. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. And, you know, one more thing also. Uh, you know, just from the, the contractor standpoint, you know, for any uh, structural engineers uh, out there who uh, would need some assistance. I mean, you know, when, when Joe was talking about some of the things that he would need to do on his end uh, with his inspections, when he got into some of the more invasive stuff relating to uh, coring uh, the concrete to, um, you know, do some testing and uh, things like that, you know, we, we uh, work to assist um uh, structural engineering firms that uh, do these kind of inspections and have to get a little bit more invasive because uh, typically they're not the ones who are doing um, the, the, the uh, you know, some of, some of the work where you have to demo out some of the concrete, take some cores, open up uh, some probes. So, uh, you know, we certainly assist people with that and, uh, you know, willing to assist anybody that wants to reach out to us and uh, needs some help in, in putting some of these uh, reports together uh, uh, for some of the owners that may reach out to them. Awesome. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate your time. Joe DePompeo and Scott Barieski. Um, I, you know, it's been really helpful. You know, we're on, we're filming this on January 12th. So we're 11 days after the start of the law. So this is brand new. It's going to change probably over a period of time, but we're hitting it as it comes in and hopefully we'll all um, be busy enough with it that it'll carry us forward for the next cycles. 
Um, and I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we could have you back on the show for anything else that's related to, you know, the engineering and the contracting side of uh, things. Absolutely. Thank Thanks for having, us. for having us. All right. Take care guys. All right. Take care.